Hey, Startup Nation, and welcome to this very special presentation of the Startup Life Podcast for International Podcast Day. So I want to kind of chime in and share with you, you know, in each of these episodes for International Podcast Day, why I love podcasting. So for this episode, I want to share the very first reason. The first reason I love podcasting is because it's such a, a very low entry to barrier. Like the technology that we have available to us, Startup Nation, it, it doesn't really cost a whole lot. Honestly, like, like right now, I'm recording on a Yeti microphone, my iPhone, and a, and a different uh, auxiliary piece, and that's it. No major studio, no $300 microphone. It's just me, you, very little technology, and the content that we share with you. And so for this first episode for International Podcast Day, I wanted to bring in my very good friend, Audrey Willis of Code Crew, because she really speaks to how technology is changing business. So enjoy this first episode for International Podcast Day of the Startup Life Podcast. Enjoy. This week on The Startup Life. While I've been afforded the opportunity to be exposed to different things in the tech space, those individuals that have not, that would typically take on those kind of hands-on maintenance type jobs, they fall off um, and, and they're divided even more because they don't have the skills to compete where I've had the skills to right. compete. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Audrey Willis, co-founder of Code Crew. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a special guest in the building today. We got Audrey Willis of Cold Crew. What's going on, A-Dubs? Nothing much. Uh, enjoying this Memphis weather for a change. I hear that. I hear that. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in Startup Nation today? I am ready to pour whatever comes <laughs> out of me into Startup Nation. I hear that. I hear that. As always, this is the Startup Life Podcast powered by the Bench Podcast Network. So first things first, Audrey, let's just dive into it. Tell us about your path to entrepreneurship. Um, it was no path. Like, okay. like there was no, no road paved or anything. It, I've always been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Back in the sixth grade, and this this is how I knew, like looking back in, in retrospect, in the sixth grade, I had this hustle. Okay. My mom had to be at work at seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. School started at like seven fifteen. That meant anybody that got dropped off to school at seven o'clock was not getting to the candy. Lady. Okay. So I was there ah. at six thirty. So I would take my lunch money, go to the candy lady. Buy up the candy, come back, lunchtime, I would sell my candy mm. for a little markup, and that's how I was able to get like butter cookies nice. and cinnamon rolls at lunchtime. Nice. I didn't think anything of it, but you know, this has always been who I was. Mm-hmm. If I was going to do something, well, how was I going to monetize it? So even at 12 in the sixth grade, 
I was monetizing stuff. Uh, already hustling at already 12. Already hustling huh? at 12. Okay. All right. Cool. So let me ask you this, because, you know, a lot of times in entrepreneurship, we have a lot of people that they're, they're, they're not really sure how to get started. But for you, it was just always there. So, you know, talk a little bit about how, you know, how even people who don't think they have it in them, it's really it really is there how to bring that out. of them. So I think part of what my entrepreneur growth was is like figuring out the right way to do things mm. um, a lot of times we're given gifts and talents and then we instantly feel like oh I, I gotta make this a business gotcha. um, which is not necessarily true because you know it may not be an open market for it so your hobby may not necessarily need to be your business um, mm. I learned this lesson about two years ago I love to craft anybody that knows me knows late at night I'm crafting I'm etching glass I'm painting I'm doing something mm -hmm. and people were buying pieces from me in the back of my head of course with my hustle mentality I was like okay I'm gonna make some money with this and created a website got the business license got going then I realized that because I had this talent in this craft it was actually taken away from what I was really making a lot of money doing mm -hmm. just because you have a talent in something doesn't mean you're supposed to go and make it a business Fair and enough. I had to learn that that lesson really quickly Fair enough. Um, because I knew everything to do to start the business to get it running to monetize but it was taking me away from what I should have been doing right um, it, and it's really aligning what you should be doing versus what's fun to do I hear that what you should be doing versus what's fun to do I love that thank you so much so I, I came across a 2015 BBC article yeah and I want to ask you about that because and this was right around the time you had just started Cold Crew if I'm not uh -huh. mistaken right so I, I was reading it and I saw a story in there about how you wanted to change your MySpace page yeah. and you learned how to code. Tell us a little bit about that story. So, um, so. Now, Startup Nation, we got some, Startup, Startup so, Nation, we got some interns here, so they may not even know what MySpace yeah, so is. But got an explanation on what MySpace <laughs> right. is. So MySpace um, came after Black Planet and before mm. Facebook. Um, a lot of people don't know that uh, Black Planet was actually a genesis of what social media is. That's very was true. created by a black man. Mm -hmm. um, but MySpace was evolving. MySpace used to do this thing where you could like update your template for like 99 cents. Right. And of course, I'm not paying for anything I can figure out how to do on my own. Um, I was like, all right, let me let me buy one of these templates and dissect it and see what it is. And so, okay, what is this HTML thing? And there I was at Walden's bookstore. Okay. Um, because back then textbooks were they're expensive now. Right. They were exorbitant in I price bet. back then. And I so bet. I didn't have the money to purchase these books. So I would be in the back of Walden's bookstore on the floor flipping through these mm. books, writing down tags in a notebook to take back and and figure out what to do and to change my MySpace page. Let me tell you, my MySpace page was some kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. It had like music <laughs> playing in the background. It had, you know, words that would float down and descend. It it was something. I wish I could find my MySpace page to, to <laughs> reminisce on like what this was, but it's probably garbage now, <laughs> based on like how things have changed. Right, probably trash. But um, yeah, I was fierce on MySpace, and so you know, I would I would hook people up at work, mm -hmm. and uh, one day I was at work updating my MySpace page, and my boss was like, you know, what are you doing? I'm thinking, oh God, I'm in trouble, <laughs> and he was like, no, you're doing something. Um, 
that we actually need here. And he right. introduced me to the tech guys um, that were at the company I was working for. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how I professionally got started in IT. Wow. I love that because uh, it's one of those things where you, you're trying to solve a problem where you didn't want to pay the 99 cents. And that entrepreneurial mindset kicks in mm-hmm. where you're you're in the back of Walden books, kind of like, you know, getting some knowledge, right? Yeah. You know, for the free a little bit. And, but it really spawned into something that you really didn't expect, I imagine. No, not at all. Um, it was serendipity. It mm-hmm. was, uh, like Oprah says, um, the alignment of mm-hmm. luck and skill. I hear that. Um, and, and that's how it got started. I heard that. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. So I actually met you at a panel back in 2015, 2016 thing in Binghampton, Uh right? With, you know, with Kayla Rodriguez Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. That was the first time I met Kayla Rodriguez. Was it really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, And for those of you who don't know who Kayla Rodriguez is, she's a co-founder of Sweet Bio. We actually had uh, her brother on on the Startup Life uh, a while back as well. So, but reason I wanted to bring that up because... It speaks to this this burgeoning tech community. Like we're here right now in Communitech, right mm-hmm. here at the University of Memphis campus, right. And so we have this 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 growing tech community here in Memphis, and uh, and you've been an integral part of that, and so much so that you were appointed, you know, uh, manager of innovation and performance analysis by the Shelby County Mayor, right. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I'll just go ahead and clap you, that up you, for sure. So let me ask you this because. There are many in Startup Nation who have tech companies thinking about starting a tech company and they're thinking like, I got to go to Silicon Valley. I got to go to Charlotte. Make the case why Memphis is a great place to where they can do that First as well. First of all, that's not where it's at. Okay. Um, anybody that's ever gone to California or visited California, you know the cost of living oh, is boy. insane. So first of all, you're talking about bootstrapping <laughs> a business mm-hmm. in, in one of the highest areas cost of living wise. Um, no. Can't do it. Gotcha. Charlotte, everybody is thinking I'm going to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like uh, the great Atlanta migration. Mm-hmm. Everybody went to Atlanta. There are no jobs in Atlanta because now you, you're, you're it's in, flooded. in a pool. It's flooded. It's saturated. Yeah. Right? Memphis is this very unique area in the theory of the cost of living flow. Mm-hmm. Um, the resources are deep. And there's not a lot of us, mm-hmm. um, so it's like money on the it's money on the table, money on the ground, um, and you can get more done here faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I think becoming an entrepreneur in Memphis um, lends you to the the line of you got north, south, east, west. You're centrally located. Um, you have some of the best developers that are here in Memphis looking for work. Um, and there's not enough work, so you got organizations like Epicenter, Startco. Um, be lit that are looking mm. to engage these types of individuals and people willing and ready to foster these ideas. And I mean, people aren't coming out of Memphis with, you know, let, let's do these little small, small startups. No, you have companies and organizations that are getting FDA approved, mm-hmm. um, that are doing and clearing seven figure rounds. So, I mean, right. it's serious startup business that is happening in Memphis. For sure. And you talked about clearing FDA sweet bio just, yep. that just happened to sweet bio not too long ago. So, uh, big ups to that as well. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that because I, I think, like you said, you know, a lot of people feel like, you know, Silicon Valley is where it's at, Charlotte's where it's at. But I think the fact that, you know, that we're up and coming, it, it allows for there's a lot of growth uh, here and you can be part of that growth on the ground floor, I think. So I appreciate yeah, you sharing I mean, it's that. tons of mentors. I mm-hmm. mean, you've got 
AutoZone, right. um, the Kimmins Wilson family. You mm-hmm. have all these great entrepreneurs that are in Memphis, still in Memphis. They didn't like create these great companies and leave. No, they're still here and they're still um, attainable. You can still reach out to them. I mean, honestly, you can reach out to these people mm-hmm. um, and they are embedded and invested in Memphis and in the growth that occurs here. So they're interested and they're willing to help and support and all those types of things. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, Startup Nation, we're actually in the, well, once again, in the community tech building here at the University of Memphis. So if you seem like we're kind of quiet, there's <laughs> other tech companies here and we're trying to be mindful of their space and not be too animated and too loud uh, for the podcast. But thank you for sharing that all that. I appreciate that. So uh, I want to ask you this. You know, because we talk about the growing tech space here in Memphis and stuff like that. And as the co-founder of, you know, of Code Crew, you guys have been strong advocates for increased computer science curriculum in the classroom. Right. So much so that your co-founder has gone and stumped in Nashville for for sure. Snap that up. Absolutely. So, you know, let me ask you this, because, you know. When we talk about, you know, young people learning to code and AI and everything about that, talk about the trajectory change from especially a kid from Memphis. Mm-hmm. Talk about the potential trajectory change from not knowing those things and those skills to after they learn those skills and how that can change not just them, but generations after that. So um, first and foremost, I am from South Memphis, mm-hmm. born and raised. Same here. Um, oh, I absolutely, know. absolutely. Okay. Uh, Riverdale. Okay. Yeah, you're on Riverside. Sorry, Riverside. Riverside yeah. So I'm um, Mallory and Prospect. Oh yeah, on for Pine sure, Hillside. for sure. So that's my neighborhood. That's mm-hmm. that's my heart. And I grew up in South Memphis. And the in the school, the most technologically advanced piece of equipment. I remember coming into contact with was a word processor mm. in a typing class, mm-hmm. and we were typing, typing right. like on a typewriter. <laughs> this was my typing class, um, and I think about um, because I didn't finish high school here. I ended mm. up moving to Atlanta to finish high school. Okay, um, but I think about the touch points that I have with technology and the exposure points that I have, which is you know something very vital to the code crew. Um, kind of mantras, right. exposure points. Sure. Had I not had those exposure points, I would not have had a frame of reference for picking up technology later on in life. Mm-hmm. Um, because so often those exposure points are lacking in um, very primary educational systems, those kids don't know how to become producers of technology when mm-hmm. it's time. So, you know, changing those mindsets and giving kids exposure points. You may not think it's something important now, but later on down the road, when they come to contact with us, they know how to react. Um, I know for a fact, had I not had these exposure points, what my life could have been. Right. Um, I'm grateful for those exposure points and knowing that, you know, there was something more out there for me, Mm -hmm. but coming from a, you know, middle-class family, um, you know, it, it is what our parents teach us. You go get a good job. Yep. Um, you work for the government. You work for the post office. <laughs> you, you go work for FedEx. Right. And, you know, you live your life and you get good things and you buy a house and you buy a car and you start a family. Um, I think when that tech element is laid on there, um, suddenly you're, you're put into a world that... Mm-hmm. Things that are able to be obtained are completely different. Um, nobody in my family really knows what I do for a living. Um, it, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's like you know, my mom's just like she's proud of, of whatever it is that I'm doing, but she nobody really knows what it is. That gotcha. I'm doing. But um, 
the the amount of money that's able to be made completely changed from just having a regular job. Right now, you're you're able to kind of tell people what it is that your worth is because you know. I tell people all the time, I can pick up my phone right now, and I promise you, there's at least one or two job requests in there from a recruiter. Can you come work here? Can you go there? The jobs in the tech space become very um, attainable. I mean, there, there's tons of jobs that are out there, not enough people to do them. Um, and so you have that layer. Um, and so it, it's not just telling somebody what you're worth. Now you get to show them. And when the get to show them comes in, it's, it's not just the people that you're working for, it's a community. So although your mom and dad doesn't know what you're doing, they know she's figured out something and it's a better way. And so that starts to speak volumes to the kids and people around you that, oh, wow, there's something amazing happening in tech that she transcended from here to there. And, you know, look at kind of the way the work happens. So, I mean, there's lots of things that, that kind of happen in that sphere. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I love when you talk about being a producer of that instead of a consumer, because mm-hmm. that, that's a very powerful piece. Mm-hmm. And that actually leads me to my next question, because we're, we're, we're diving into a new economy that's, 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 you know, that's very, not just tech savvy, but tech heavy, but like, it's, it's like in our everyday lives, mm-hmm. when we're talking about the internet of things, we're talking about like how you can have a refrigerator that reorders your groceries mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, and uh, on uh, Startup Nation, you know, on the Facebook page, we posted a picture of Marty and you saw mm-hmm. Marty. Yeah. Uh, we were a uh, quick story. We were in we were coming back from vacation and we was in Winchester, Virginia, small okay. town, Virginia. Right. Mm-hmm. We go into this grocery store just to get some snacks and stuff like that. All of a sudden we go around <laughs> this corner and there's this robot uh-huh. just like going down the aisle, you know, you know looking at, you know, for spills and, and, mm-hmm. and droppage and everything like that. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, like this economy is not coming. It's yeah. here. It's here. It's here for sure. So that leads me to this question. And it's one thing one thing I ask all of my tech people that I ask to come on the startup life. When we think about Marty and other AI and tech that kind of take over other jobs that, you know, that maybe people won't be able to have anymore, you have the conversation of a universal basic income or UBI. Where do you stand on that? So, um, honestly, and, and, and of course, this will be greeted with, with uh, different opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel that there should be a universal okay. um, income. Okay. Um, I think there should be a mandatory cost of living that should be designated. This this is where you live. This is what the cost of living is. And okay. people should be paid what they're worth. Understood. Um, but I think in theories of socialist kind of environments, mm-hmm. I work very hard for the things that I have in my head. Absolutely. Um, and I don't feel that it would be fair to pay somebody a universal basic Just to live. Just, just to breathe. Just to live and breathe because right. I work very hard. Right. On the flip side of that, um, what happens is that the the line in the sand becomes a, a 18-foot wall of mm-hmm. haves and have-nots mm-hmm. because while I've been afforded the opportunity to be exposed to different things in the tech space, those individuals that have not, that would typically take on those kind of hands-on maintenance type jobs, they fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're divided even more because they don't have the skills to compete where I've had the skills to right. And so what happens for them is that they get trapped into a system that they'll never be able to get out. Um, and so where you have a Marty 
um, mm. now replacing the job of four to five people because right. um, now companies looking at the cost of it. Well, I don't have to pay life insurance on this person. I right. don't have to pay health insurance on this person. There's no unemployment wage, you know, taxes that I have to pay on this person. Mm. And that robot now takes over five or six different people. Those companies need to be held accountable for also training those people that, that. They're, they're getting rid of um, to ensure that they're okay. Now, you know, janitor, you can't mop the floors, but let me train you how to program this robot in case there's something going on with them. And now we can reallocate your skills to somewhere else. So those companies need to be held accountable gotcha. when they put this different technology into place. Because gotcha. I went to Paris. Mm-hmm. There's nobody taking orders at the Paris McDonald's. <laughs> um, and, and how we were so, oh, my God, they're putting screens in McDonald's for ordering, that had been occurring for years mm-hmm. in European countries. Um, and they have highly functioning, you know, restaurants. But, I mean, you're taking out the human element, but companies need to be held accountable to train those individuals that they're taking jobs from. Gotcha. I'm actually glad you mentioned European countries because it seems like, you know, for some reason, and maybe you know, uh, I'm wrong, but it seems like for some reason, European countries are usually on the forefront or like they're a little bit ahead of the times when it comes to technology as opposed to the States. Why is that? I, I don't know the true answer to that, mm-hmm. but um, going to European countries um, and, and everybody gets an opinion about, you know, traveling abroad. Right. Um, I've traveled to several countries. Um, I've always felt more accepted in other countries, so mm. the assumption is is that they're more accepting to technology and to different thoughts gotcha. and things like that. Whereas uh, we here in the states um, are a little bit more protective of um, tradition and, and ensuring that the the regular Joe has a job. Mm. And I mean, think about the last uh, campaign, right? Well, they were still talking to coal miners <laughs> about let's ensure that we have coal miner jobs. Well, right. people ain't mining coal the way they used right. to. So you know we. We're a little slow to evolve, um, which is unfortunate because since we're slow to evolve, you know, everything's going at such a rapid pace and and we are behind. Um, So I would like to see in the future, you know, an administration that that remembers that science does exist and and things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm voting for science. Absolutely. I hear that. (laughs) I definitely hear that for sure. So I want to ask you this because you recently spoke at uh, South by Southwest Mm -hmm. and you were on a panel discussing smart cities, AI, and machine learning. So I wanted to know, what were you hoping to accomplish on that panel, and did you accomplish it? Um, Well, the panel that I was on Mm -hmm. was... um hosted by a German delegation okay. um, and going back and forth with um, technology and abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope is always to change the perception of what tech looks like in mm-hmm. the States. Okay, They reached out and I immediately responded, like, I'll do it. Um, not just because it was South by Southwest, but mm-hmm. because it was a German delegation reaching out to an African-American woman mm-hmm. in the tech space um, to speak on a panel. Um, and it was about smart cities. And I feel like Shelby County is on this cusp of um, smart grids and things like that. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about those types of things. I definitely feel like everything that I sought out to accomplish was accomplished. Um, and it was a good panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to meet plenty of people um, from Germany, Dubai. Actually, um, the delegation I was there from Dubai is working on a similar project that I'm working on for Shelby County. So it was mm-hmm. good to kind of realize that 
it's not a local problem. It's a global problem. Gotcha. Um, so it, it was a good, good conference. Um, learned a lot at South by Southwest. Um, met a lot of people. Um, I definitely will probably drop in and drop out if I'm ever invited to speak again. There were so many people there. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was like sensory overload. But gotcha. I mean, everybody was there. So it was big nerve fest. Gotcha. I hear that. Well, speaking of nerve fest, I'm actually checking out your sports coat oh. here. And I'm looking at the inside. I see you got Batwoman, you got Supergirl, and was that Harley Quinn, I think? Yeah, Harley like that. Quinn's Who, there. Who's your favorite? Um, actually, nobody on this jacket. Really? Um, we okay. are a Black Panther family. Okay. Um, okay. have a three-year-old. He's going to uh, watch Black Panther at least once a week. Um, <laughs> funny story about Black Panther. Um Bubble Bistro, a, a, a small business here Absolutely. in Memphis. Andrea, um, absolutely. Andrea, mm-hmm. she, um, amazing scents. And I owe my son down every day. And we had this um, one scent that was under the cabinet. And I go to my son, I'm oiling him up. He's like, no, that's, that's the wrong one. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like very adamant that I'm putting the wrong oils on him. Mm. And he says, that's not the right one. So I tell him, well, show me which one you want. And he goes into the cabinet and pulls out um, this uh, purple colored shea butter uh, ah. that scented um, queen. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's the right one. And I go, what? He says, yeah, it's got vibranium in it. I thought Black Panther <laughs> took it. <laughs> so, I mean, we are a Black Panther family. Absolutely. I hear that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. So, I, I wanted to ask you this because you were recently in a uh, in a national campaign mm-hmm. with Prudential, mm-hmm. right? Which and is still running. Absolutely still running. Mm-hmm. Yes, it absolutely is. And so, it features uh, Kat Gordon, who has been on the show. Okay. It features Kayla, who we mentioned earlier. And also mention, uh, features you as well. And I wanted to ask you this because it shows how you balance the, the, the entrepreneurial life and the mom life. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of startup nations who, have, who are moms who are thinking like, you know what? I think I have to wait until, you know, somebody graduates from yeah. school and stuff like that. Talk about that balance. Talk about that work-life balance if you would. Um, I like to tell people uh, in, in the words of my forever first lady, mm-hmm. um, that work-life balance stuff don't exist. Okay. Um, and and I believe in this theory of eating leftovers. Okay. Um, I do what I can today, and if I can't do it today, I have to eat the leftovers tomorrow. I hear that. Um, and my sons, um, I feel like because of my journey and, and kind of the progression, um, they've been front seat. So I have an 18-year-old and a 3-year-old. The 18-year-old has seen us from, you know, living bare minimum, working minimum wage jobs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, up until this point. Right. And I feel like him being exposed to this journey will set him up for his journey. For sure. Um, I, I am confident that, you know, he, he's going to be, he's going to do well in life, but he's had that exposure to what this startup life looks like. Mm-hmm. Thank you and for that so, plug, by the way. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, he's, this, this startup journey, the startup life is, a part of who I am. Um, I can't remove it. I can't take it away. You know, if it wasn't one thing, it would be something else that I would be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've everybody in Memphis has a side hustle. I think there was a report that said forty percent of Americans have a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just something that cannot be taken away from me. And I'm a firm firm believer in if I don't take the risk, somebody else will, um, and it's going to be a missed opportunity for me. So. 
If not now, then when? So I may as well go ahead and do it. And so I've never said, well, let me wait and see, you know, what will happen when my son graduates. Because guess what? You're depending on these things. And, you know, heaven forbid something would ever happen to my son, but something could happen to my son. Right. Something could happen to the school he's going to or this plan that I see in the future. And so right now I had an opportunity to do something. So why not do it now? I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. I'm actually going to ask you about your oldest son a little bit later. Okay. Okay. Uh, But for right now, uh, let's get real for a second. Okay. So Audrey, you know, uh, you know, you're African American woman mm-hmm. in a space that's predominantly, you know, uh, that's predominantly white and male. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you know, you uh, you have to admit that you're seen around the country as a trailblazer to not only African Americans but particularly women, mm-hmm. right? I guess I want to know: Do you feel the weight of that, or do you accept the challenge? And what is what does all that mean to you? It is very daunting. To know that you are the face that people will judge people behind you. It is very um, important to me that I put on the right face, air quotes, um, (laughs) because it's a it's a very fine line between this is what I want you to know about me and my culture versus this is what I'm going to represent to you. For sure. And so I know a lot of people talk about um, interview representative shows up mm-hmm. and then the next day this other person shows up. I try and be that person right. who I am for the most part as often as possible because I know you're going to make a judgment about my people, the women, the, the African-Americans in tech based on how I act and how I perform. So um, it comes with that task of we have to be twice as good, work twice as hard. Yes, I stay up late at night reading every night. I'm up reading articles every morning. Um, I, I am still enrolled in classes here, there, and everywhere because learning cannot stop. Um I know the weight is on me. I know it is. Um, and, and it is it's difficult because I'm just not there to do a job. I'm there to, to leave the door open. Um, mm-hmm. Hence why my interns are here now. Right. Um, because I feel like if you're going to take a seat at the table and you don't pull up chairs for other people, you shouldn't even be at the table. Gotcha. Um, and so... I keep involved in different organizations that see things for for where I see them, right? Um, because that's very important to me. Um, the perception of, of black people is important to me because the perception is life or death for us now. Absolutely. Um, and I don't care if you know I drive a nice car or I'm, I'm a brilliant person. At the end of the day, I still wear the skin of a black person, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's life or death. It's life or death for me, for my sons, for everybody. Um, and so. You, you work hard, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Gotcha. I'm actually going to put one of your interns on the spot right now. Uh-oh. So, Miss Jada, <laughs> let me ask you this. So, when you see somebody like Miss Willis doing what she does, coming from where she comes from, what does that mean to you? I mean, usually we don't see them like her. Right. <laughs> For sure. I was so, like, when she first came to the commission's office where I interned, mm-hmm. I was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, it's something new because I'm so used to seeing, you know. Absolutely. You know, right. I'm not used to seeing black women in charge like this. So right. Like, it makes me want to be like her. So. How do you feel when you hear that? Um, <laughs> I'm putting both of y'all on the spot today. I love my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all the kids I come to contact with. Um, 
it's encouraging mm-hmm. um, that they recognize that. Um, but I also always want to charge them with, all right, I ran this this leg of the race. Mm. Y'all got to pick it up and right. run the rest of the race. Right. And you can't do it by yourself. You got to reach as you climb. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that. Because I wanted to ask you that because it's one of those things where you didn't ask for this. You didn't ask for the other part. Like you just want to do. You just, <laughs> I just want to do. A good you just want to do a good job, but you didn't ask for that part. And right. a lot of times, you know, uh, people sometimes, mm-hmm. and I, I, I never imagined that you would, but mm-hmm. sometimes people get resentful of that part. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, and it could be because right. it, it is. It's either you're going to do it. And you'd be good at it, or you're just gonna fall, and, and you're gonna be in the background, and you're not gonna be vocal about it. Which there's nothing wrong with being in the background and being vocal, right? But if you have the opportunity to say something, you do something. Absolutely, absolutely. So let me ask you this right before we go to break. I want to know what you learned from the worst boss, teacher, or mentor you ever had. The worst. The worst. Boss. What did you learn? Man. <laughs> The worst boss that I had, um, and it, it it was really not her fault that she was the worst boss I ever had. Okay. Um, I'm a hard charger. So if you tell me to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z squared. Um, it, it is not going to be taken lightly because I feel um, lots of honor in my work. Mm. I have a, a work-worthy equation that my work is my work um i work hard and that's that's what i i want to be judged on so i I go into this job and my immediate boss was out of town and and her bosses asked me to put this presentation together um for the c-suite and so of course i did that Mm -hmm. and it was an amazing presentation Meanwhile, my boss came back and they did not tell her that I was presenting to Uh-oh. her bosses. And um, she made my job awful to come mm. to. Um, but I don't resent her. I don't resent the experience. It was a lesson learned because um, I do realize in a lot of situations, um, women get pitted against each other Mm. and a lot of times organizations don't realize what they're doing um and it's so competitive out there we as women don't realize that you know we're not in this to take one thing from another and you know i'm taking something from you um what in hindsight looking back um i really wish that you know they had not set me up to give this presentation without my boss being there. And they didn't invite her to a presentation. Um, but what I should have done when she first walked in the door said, hey, you know, they set me up to give this presentation. You coming? <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that way. But like I said, of, of all bad lessons, you know, all bad situations, there's a lesson to be learned. And that was my lesson. Gotcha. Um, clarity, clarity for everybody. Gotcha. Um, and, and that was probably one of my, my worst bosses I ever worked for. Okay. All right, cool. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on the Startup Life so far? Loving it. Awesome. Awesome stuff. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you get great value from Audrey's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network.
Hey business owner, the startup life reach is growing. Wouldn't you like your business to grow with it? Reach out to us to advertise on the startup life. You can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music, but your business being advertised on it? All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So tell us all about Cold Crew. How you come up with the name? I have to I have to be honest with you about something. So every time I hear Cold Crew in my head, I hear Cold Crew, Cold Crew, which is corny and lame. I get but, it, but in my head, that's what I hear. But, you know, it, it is a thing, so... The beautiful thing about the Cold Crew story, mm-hmm. I think if you ask any of the founders the how and why, mm-hmm. you get a different perspective and a different view. Okay. We are like the United Bennington of like tech startups. I hear that. Um, Meka, who is our executive director, mm-hmm. one of our founders, um, is Nigerian, um, also from South Memphis. Mm-hmm. Petia, um, she's from Bulgaria, immigrant from Bulgaria. Right. Came to Memphis. Well, I, I think she went to school um, in East Tennessee and, and okay. eventually moved to Memphis. Um, and then there's me. So um, there's like this picture of us, like when we first got started. And every time I look at it, I'm like, look at us looking like United <laughs> Colors of Spinning. Um, Coalition of the Willing. Huh? Yeah. Um, and so Cold Crew um, got started for me out of the need to expose African-American children to computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been volunteering with another organization here in the city. And um, it was great. We, we were having fun doing it. But mm-hmm. there were so many additional children that we needed to come in contact with. Um, and through Gracious found, Founders, I'm sorry, funders at um FedEx Foundation, the Grizzlies Foundation, mm-hmm. they afforded us the opportunity to get this started. And that. so, um, actually, when we first met, I just finished teaching a class. Mm-hmm. So, we literally went through a startup accelerator with Starco's Sky High Accelerator, mm-hmm. um, started a business, the 501c3, and started teaching classes all simultaneously. Wow. And we're all working full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at AutoZone, and my other two co-founders were at Loki Young, which mm-hmm. is um, a tech company that's here in Memphis. Gotcha. Um, the only tech company that has, you know, something in the skyline for Memphis. So, I, I mean, that. I think that's a beautiful that thing. That is awesome. It speaks volumes to Memphis and the tech startup for industry sure. here. And we did this simultaneously. It was one crazy summer, um, but it was significant because nothing like this had happened here. Mm. Um, and people were eager. People were hungry. People wanted their kids involved to the point where somebody sent me a text message. was like, can, can you uh, get my son on the list for summer classes? I was out of town. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'll check into it when I get back. I'm not at home. Um, I get back and make a um our executive director i was like hey is it you know too late to get somebody on the list for one of the summer classes he was like the waiting list is longer than the list of kids that are enrolled in the class which is an awesome problem to have because that speaks volumes to the demand you've hit on something for sure now where we're you know we need funding to run these organizations and we're a nonprofit. so you know those are the things that we're we're looking at you know what what does our funding look like you know fundraising things like that because the demand is high 
And I think jobs and organizations are starting to realize this is the tech pipeline. Mm-hmm. We're, we're helping you train our future employees. And so while it may not hit your bottom line today or tomorrow, but in 20 years, when you look mm-hmm. at the success rate of your company and you're not going out to recruit in different areas and you keep that money here at home, that's affecting your bottom line. Right. And, and I think that's the big piece right there. It's the forward thinking of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily because I think a lot of times, and this is one of the gripes I have uh, with, you know, education or whatever the case may be. It's like we teach kids to be what we need them to be right now as opposed to what we need them to be later on. So I, I love that for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So I know you offer many programs from like video game design, app design, stuff like that. What's the one that most kids sign up for? We get the most sign up for our um, mobile app development class, okay. which is kind of like... If Cold Crew were building its ground floor, mm-hmm. um, and it's a really neat program because we're not forcing lines of tags and, and code down your throat. Mm-hmm. They're learning um, code-based logic using blocks. And it's, you know, if then statements and they get to connect them in and it uses um, MIT's App Inventor, okay. um, which to me is underrated. Like it is, it is an amazing tool to use for mm-hmm. kids learning to program. And... That's the entry level to the exposure point. Um, And a lot of kids will taper off, but it's an easy way to figure out if you're interested because then they come back. Um, But within that mobile app development class, I've seen kids build mobile apps for their parents' businesses. Wow. Um, We did one hackathon, um, which we have a hackathon every year Mm -hmm. in August. It's kind of like the celebration of the year that we've had. Um, And we've had some really good hackathons. Last year, we did some cosplay. And of course, I was Shuri from Black Panther. All right. Um, Nobody wants to test me on my cosplay skills. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) Gauntlet's been thrown down. (laughs) You you, you don't want this. Okay, okay, fair (laughs) Um, enough. (laughs) But uh, we did one one year where kids picked local Memphis businesses Mm. and built apps for them. And I remember there was this one group that built an app for Jerry Snowcone and did like this kind of like paint as you go mm-hmm. and you take the flavors and you put it on a snow cone and oh, then wow. you essentially like place your order that wow. way. Um, and these are like real apps. They're, they're not, you know, in any app store or anything, but think about how amazing that would be for your business. Mm-hmm. Now you go in and you go on your app and you paint, you know, grape and this and, <laughs> and you hit order and then it's right there at your window. Right. These are ideas that come from kids. Right. These are not adults sitting around thinking about what they want to build. These are children. Um, you know, 13, 14 year old children and, and companies need to realize that the value is really in a child's mind. And and, and, and like we were like at our most creative yeah. when we're at that age. Because so. you're unrestricted. You're right. unrestricted by, well, how much would that cost to build or, you know, all the right. minutia right. Of, of being the boring mundane yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's going away. <laughs> For sure. Thank you for sharing that. I was actually going to ask you this a little bit later, but since we're already here, Mm -hmm. for somebody who's never seen a hackathon, don't know what a hackathon is, walk me through what that is. And and Startup Nation, by the time this airs, the hackathon will probably actually already be over. Okay. But but I wanted to at least, you know, want you to explain what a hackathon is and what that's like. So, I mean, there's hackathons and then there's co-crew hackathons. Oh, okay. So, let me explain. There's a difference. Um, when you are dealing with a code crew hackathon, hackathon, you're dealing with two days of um, 
fun games, coding, pizza, DJs. Like I said, we did oh, cosplay wow. last year um, in a huge award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, we invite local reporters, teachers, industry professionals to come down and become judges. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids get uh, DJs. I mean, it's a dance party. Right. But they spend two days um Getting with kids from across the city that they otherwise would not come into contact with. I mean, when you look at Code Crew, we have everybody in every zip code in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, we even had kids that, you know, on summer vacation and they're up with their family and their family knows about Code Crew and Code Crew becomes a part of summer vacation. Right. Um, we, a young man that I had the pleasure of meeting last year from Birmingham. Um, has Code Crew on his mind, and he'll be back this year. Nice. Um, but, you know, you, you spend the first day with your idea and your group and your mentor, and, and you're working through your problem, and the next day you're fine-tuning it and presenting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids win stuff from laptops to iPads and drones and all sorts of things that, you know, with, like I said, funding and donations, we're able to give these kids, and now they get to take these pieces of technology that they've been able to manipulate for the past two days home. Wow. Um, where otherwise they wouldn't have access to laptops and, and tablets and things like that. Now they are producers of technology and mm. just not consumers. And so it, it affords them a different opportunity. Now you can go to some other hackathons. <laughs> they sit around and they build uh, civic based problem solving and, you right. know, and, and it's fun. Right. But, you know, they're more geared towards adults. It's not cold crew. It's not cold crew. Hackathon. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I love how they get to take this home with them because it's a reminder of what they can, what they've accomplished, what they can do, mm-hmm. you know, maybe inspire even other yeah. type of, you know, technology or other creative ideas. And we get kids that come back from the hackathon. So it, it is one of those exposure type events. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the kids that are there have been co-crew students, um, and I can say now for years. Um, and then we have some kids that we're meeting for the first time. So it's, it's an opportunity to get to meet new kids and, and bring them into the fold. Gotcha. And Startup Nation, we actually have the link to Cold Crew's website in the show notes. So like I said, unfortunately, by the time this airs, the hackathon will be over. But at the very least, you can look at next year and also look at all the other services and programs that Cold Crew offers as well. Because I mean, we teach the teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned earlier, our executive um, director, he made several trips to Nashville. Mm-hmm. We're um, so grateful for his time and effort. But, you know, we're getting engaged in school system. And, you know, these things are instrumental to creating and reinforcing that uh, tech pipeline. For sure. For sure. Now, I saw that you live stream a VR demonstration yeah. a while back, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about that, but also tell us in Startup Nation, like, because a lot of times we see VR is really more so geared towards like video games or like watching movies and stuff like that. Share with us, you know, that experience of the live stream or whatever, but also share with us. What are some other uses for VR and that you kind of see coming down the pipeline? So the VR space, um, I would say is still in its infancy. Okay. Kind of early adopter kind of stage. For sure. Um, because it hasn't been readily available um, to the mass population mm-hmm. until here recently, maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Oculus, which is a Facebook company, created mm-hmm. um, one of the first devices that you can use independent of being attached to a computer, um, which is my preference um, because it makes it very easy for me to, to take it and, and show kids the power of VR. Right. Um, they also have... Um, 
really nice programs where kids can build in VR. So we had kids that are with St. Jude and they um, go through the session that we've just started with them um, and they've created VR experiences with individuals at outside St. Jude. That's a whole different program. Like mm-hmm. the co-crews everywhere now. But the VR allows us to essentially go places that otherwise we wouldn't have the opportunity to go. So when you think about a child that is in a inner city school and you want to teach him or tell him about our national parks, well, there's money that's required to take this child from, you know, Memphis to the Grand Canyon. Right. Um, there's liabilities that are mm-hmm. there. But if I give a child a piece of equipment and now I'm live streaming my view of a national forest now he's immersed in what the situation is Mm -hmm. um he's able to see it real time i think the stream that you saw was me telling the kids about the california wildfires Mm -hmm. we hear about these things but it's not until we're immersed in a situation till we really understand what that is and what that feels like and so when you're using sensory you you hear the fire and the fire crackling and you Mm -hmm. see it um and it's in 360 and you're looking at you know someone's life in flames right. you now suddenly feel an attachment to it right but in the same token i'm not gonna swim with sharks ever <laughs> um but the discovery channel they have vr experiences where you know you're in a shark cage mm-hmm. and sharks are swimming by left and right and and now you're engaged and you understand this thing so it takes your learning to this from this very flat on a piece of paper to this very engaging, I'm here now in this moment mm-hmm. situation. And so um, even when you're thinking about like special needs situations where, you know, you're confined to a wheelchair, you cannot climb a mountain, but through this VR experience, I can show you what it looks like. Right. Um, and it, it, it really does take learning to a different stratosphere. Absolutely. And, and I'm just imagining the the the, uh, the implementation in the in the traditional classroom yeah. and how you can just take learning to a whole nother level. Oh, yeah. So, I yeah. mean, you know, you think about it like when we were in school, how they were like pen pals. And oh, we yeah. We used to have yeah, this yeah, thing sure. where we would send letters to kids in other mm-hmm. countries and they sent letters back and they would tell us what their classrooms were like. Well, you put technology on top of that and now you got an $80 360 camera and now I can see what your classroom right. looks like. I can be in a classroom with you. Mm-hmm. Um, which really is is a damper on like our educational system because mm-hmm. where I can go to Harvard now a teacher can prop a 360 camera in a classroom and there I am with the right. rest of traditional students for sure it's, it, it honestly starts to level the playing field I hear that um, and so that's what we call tech e- equity I love that you um, said that because I've always thought tech could level the, it's like it, it's the equal it's the equalizer equalizer yes for sure. it is definitely the equalizer thank you for sharing that I appreciate all of that what do you wish you would have known before you started co-crew mm, I don't think and, and, and this goes back to kind of like who I am in a character base mm-hmm I seldom think retrospectively about what I wish I had done Okay, because I feel like there was a reason why something didn't go right and there was a lesson that I had to learn from it. So I I very seldom think in retrospect um, about instances or or things that I've gone through. Um, What I wish for co-crew, you know, I wish we, we 
had the resources to expand. Um, and I do realize there are other organizations that do similar things. For sure. Um, but I, I really wish we had the resources to expand our reach here in Memphis because mm-hmm. we have too many kids to teach. Right. And and not enough financial resources to do it in. And I think it becomes highly significant when you you open the, the floodgate to financial resources, mm-hmm. um, how many t- kids we could teach. Because, it, I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I heard that we had too many kids on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a good it's problem very, to have. It's a good problem to have, but man, you don't want to have to turn away kids that wants to learn. That's and true. So, um, that that's one of the things that I had to frame it up as regret or mm-hmm. concern. That that would be the one thing. Gotcha. Well, Startup Nation, if you feel a, a little philanthropic today, <laughs> uh, Cold Crew website is there in the show notes for your easy access. And if you want to donate some money, go ahead and hit that donate button if you it, would, we, please. We're happy to have coins, nickels, <laughs> folding money, uh, digital money. We'll take a Bitcoin. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that for sure. So, you know, you've had this amazing career, mm-hmm. Audrey, and, and you're still writing the chapters of it, right? Yeah. So I want to know, tell me how important your family and your husband has been on this journey with you. Family and my husband have been important in the fact that it frees up a lot of my risk taking. I hear that. I, I think people take relationships lightly when, you know, as a woman and we're like, you know, I need a man to mm. take care of me. And <laughs> I needed a man to minimize the risk. Okay. Um, because <laughs> I needed somebody to grind with me. I hear that. And. I think people look too much into relationships for, and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't look for a relationship for love and companionship and all those beautiful and wonderful things, mm-hmm. but relationships also have to be business efforts too. Fair enough. Because I, I've been in relationships where guys are like, you work too much. It's like, mm. work too much? Like, what is that? <laughs> or, you know, been in situations where, you know, I'm going, I had to meet with this person, you know, it could be a VC. It could be somebody that's interested in uh, some money because this is Coker's not my first startup, um, and you know they they work a, a nine to five. They may be an entrepreneur themselves, and the only slide I can get on this person's time could be six seven o'clock. You know, at a restaurant, and you know, for me to now go explain to my significant other and the person that I'm dating at the time, I had a seven o'clock meeting. Right. This is the only time. You know, right. if you're not in that hustle mentality, mm-hmm. you may not understand that and becomes very intimidating for a person. Right. Um, so you know, you gotta you, you gotta find somebody to grind with you. I and bet. fortunately, um, I was able to find somebody that was willing and supportive of grinding with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sons, yeah. they understand. You know. Mommy's on hustle. You know, mm-hmm. we can't eat what we don't kill. Right. And so we work. Right. And um, like I said, my son, the oldest one, has had that opportunity to see everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people are starting to now see him. And they go, you know, I met your son. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I kind of see him becoming his own person aside of me. But, you know, people have met my husband. I mean, my son at, at 48 hour launches and things like that. Mm-hmm. They've seen me. And they've seen him. So, you know, he's been exposed to what his startup life has been. Right. And I actually wanted to ask you about him at this this point in time because I have actually have uh, mentored your son at STS, another nonprofit uh, here in the city of Memphis. And when you meet Cam, he's just you just just. (laughs) 
he's just cut from a different cloth. And I and I'm starting to see why. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's going on to do amazing things. He just graduated high school. He's getting ready to go to uh, University of Arkansas. Yes, uh, we are going to be a, 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 a hog family now. <laughs> uh, at least that's where all my money is about to go. <laughs> gotcha. Well, yeah, my, my wife who went to Xavier, I told him she that he was looking at Xavier. We tried. We tried. We tried. She, she said that she's going to forgive him for choosing the University of Arkansas. But what I wanted to ask was this, because you talked about how he's been part of that startup life with you, you know, from the very you know early beginnings and stuff like that. He's, he's seen the rise, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And he shared something with me at one of our sessions that I don't want to talk about because I don't want to betray his trust. I asked him uh, if I could, but uh, I didn't reach out to him, so I don't want to betray his trust. But as he goes forth and he becomes his own person, you know, what is the one thing you want him to remember? Always. Um, and you probably hard. already told him. Okay. To work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's going to be given to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the silent people don't get the opportunities. You have got to be bold about things that you want. You've got to tell people things that you want. So you work hard and to, to push on to that, mm-hmm. you got to be bold about it. Because, it, like I said, nobody's going to give you anything. Right, and and it doesn't matter that you know you want to be there at eight o'clock in the morning to and stay till after the boss is gone. Now you have to be bold about what you want, mm-hmm. um, and you have to tell people. So it to work hard and be bold. Gotcha. I hear that. What has Cam taught you? Cam has taught me patience. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am at the end of the day. Regardless of what I do or how hard I work, I am the parent to two African-American boys. Mm -hmm. Um, And as they mature, as they learn things about themselves, as things that I want for them aren't attained because, you know, they don't choose to, Mm -hmm. I have to learn to be patient because in time, he'll understand. It's just like, you know, back in the day. We used to go to church Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and it wouldn't be until years later where something that was said in one of those services mm-hmm. kicks in. Right. And so, you know, I kind of take the same thing with him. I say things, I tell him things, but now it's my job to be patient mm-hmm. and wait for it to click in. Gotcha. Um, so I have learned through him patience. Um, and you know to value time because I blink my eyes and my son's graduating from high school and mm-hmm. not to college. He's a man, and so I have to, you know, he's a man. Right. He's still my son, right? But he is a man mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I've actually seen the the video of your youngest son with the harmonica, which yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. By the way, so uh, baby Willis there. Yeah. So uh, let's have a little fun. Okay. Okay. So I came across a post. Uh, I think you posted it in November mm-hmm. where you talked about like uh, being in a meeting uh-huh. and oh. two people arguing. Yeah. And you said in your head, a certain song plays in your head. Uh, so it made me think about, you know, that um, we listen to different songs for different things and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I wanted to hear, I want to know what Audrey's soundtrack is. So what I'm going to do is, is that I'm going to give you like an, uh, 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 something that you'll be doing because I know you like to run and other stuff, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, and I want to know what, what's the perfect song. What the that? song? Would okay. Be. Okay. So, if you're going on a run, what's the song for that? The song would probably be, and this is just recently. Okay. The song has changed. You remember this old song? It's peanut butter jelly time. I do remember peanut butter. It, it's jelly peanut butter time. jelly time. 
Um, is that because of the cadence of peanut butter jelly time or her running? Or? The, the cadence. Okay. Um, the three-year-old heard it on like a kid song playlist. Mm. And when I first heard it, I was like, wait a minute, this is not a kid song. This is like 1998. Um, in, in my prime, right. you know, Nike Pavilion in Atlanta. I got like, you. Like these were like my memories. So right. here recently, um, Peanut butter jelly time. It is the cadence. Um, I okay. am a Cardi B fan, so you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> How about when you're on the way to work? What's on the, the song there? Mm-hmm. I am listening to Liberation. Okay. Outcast. Eric okay. Badu. Goody Mob. Gotcha. Um, it is. It is the get your mind right mm-hmm. because you know. We liberated, but you know, we're dealing with a lot. You so prepare yourself for that. Okay. All right. How about getting ready for a big meeting? Big meeting. Mm-hmm. It would have to be um, Who Gonna Stop Me? Who Jay-Z gonna and stop Kanye me? West. Okay. I, and you know, I, I love Kanye. I like old Kanye. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, after he got the curse, you know, it was kind of like iffy Kanye. <laughs> right. Um, but old Kanye. Who gonna stop me? Gotcha. Do, do you wish for the old Kanye to come back? Or you holding out hope? I think uh, he's evolving. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna discount anybody because, you know, as a person who has evolved dramatically over for sure. time, um, you can't hold people to who they were yesterday. I hear that. You, you kind of deal with people where they are right then. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like his musicality, um, it's the thing that's kind of a beast of him. And okay. so um, while he's learning to like hone in on, on what's good and what's not, because I was actually intrigued by the whole Kanye West church thing. Mm-hmm. I heard it got shut down. I mean, you, you think about this man was able to congregate people for church. Right. Where black churches are having a, a huge they problem. Having, they have having the time right so now. So you have to consider what is his thinking process or what is his method to be able to congregate people for church on Sunday? Right. And it wasn't like five or six people. No, they were coming in droves right. to go to church. So you, you have to um, realize that this man is, is kind of a genius of right. his craft. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing. I actually saw that when he was uh, uh, on that Dave Letterman special on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. So what's the song when we're chasing around Baby Willis around the house? Baby shark. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> baby shark. Baby shark. Baby shark. It, it's just baby shark. Gotcha. Okay. Last one. You just closed a big contract or a big deal. What's that song? It would have to be a Beyonce song. Okay. Um, and I, I am a Beyonce fan. Um, okay. Part of the Bayhive. No, no, no. Okay, no, okay. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. So, <laughs> if, if there was like a spectrum of like fan to beehive, mm-hmm. I would probably be in the center. Okay. Um, I am a fan of her dedication, her, that. her grind, and her, her hard work. Mm-hmm. I'm not sending out death threats. <laughs> That's what the beehive does. Right. It's kind of vicious, but... Yeah. Um, Formation is oh for sure yeah it's, absolutely it's, it's a it's a good running song too but okay. um, I am I am an old head S O U T H yes <laughs> right um, <laughs> and people don't know that about me when they find out they're like huh it's like yeah I I can you know right yeah hang with 
this crew and that crew, and, and it is a part of the black experience of code switch. Right. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to ask you about your your soundtrack to kind of give you the platform to do that. Because I because like I said, when I see your post sometimes, I see that part <laughs> eking out. Uh-huh. Right. And so I kind of wanted to give you a platform to do that. And it it is brutally exhausting. Like hmm. people don't understand like how tiring code switch is because it's like you're at home, Audrey. You're at work, Audrey. You're mm-hmm. after work, Audrey. Right. You're on the phone, Audrey. Mm-hmm. You're email, Audrey. And right. these people are not the same people. Right. Um, but I think it's something very significant. One of our co-current instructors taught me, Jean-Francois Maharo. Um, mm-hmm. He is one of our long-time co-crew supporter turned teacher and one day we were having an event he had a brand new pair of J's and I was like dude what are you doing what are we teaching the kids you ain't here with these J's on he was like Audrey he was like if kids can aspire to be rappers and ball players based off the things that they wear mm-hmm. why can't we teach them to be you know in the tech and STEM based off things that we wear and why that. do we have to change what the perception of black and tech looks like I hear that and I said, you know what? You're right. And so, you know, based off that, I try not to hide who I am as much as possible. Now, I'm not going to go into a meeting um, dressed like, you know, right. I, I'm, I'm going out on a weekend. Of right. course, it's not going to happen. But um, I used to straighten my hair. Mm. I, I very seldom straighten my hair. Um, You're going to get these uh curls mm-hmm. and you're gonna get me mm-hmm. um and and i try and move in that direction because i feel like i don't want to have to protect or hide who i am um out of fear of how somebody else may feel for sure for sure thank you for sharing that but code switching is, is brutally exhausting I'm, i i i know it firsthand yeah. <laughs> i know it firsthand for sure audrey all entrepreneurs have a superpower what's your entrepreneurial superpower superpower it would have to be probably my ability to learn. My mother likes to say, I, I don't know how to fix it, but Audrey does. Mm. And anybody that's close to me in my family, they know if they have a problem situation, I, I probably can figure it out. And it has been to my benefit and also to my deficit mm-hmm. to be able to do that because you give me 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you tell me to do something, I'm going to figure out how to do it. But people also assume that you know how to do things that you don't know how to do. Right. Um, and you get pushed in the corners of expectation. Mm. Well, I'm not the guru on, you know, certain things, but people assume because I know so much or, or right. I can become well-versed in something that I am. Um, and it's very dangerous because you can get tied up into being the guru on some stuff that you, you really are passionate about or you really don't know a lot about. Right. So um, I am very careful in, in saying that because I'll look at my email. Hey, we got this request. We want you to come speak at um, a panel on, on global warming and blah, blah, blah. I have to say, no, I'm not the person. This is the person you should reach out to. Um, but in the same breath, went to a, I tell this story, went to a car mechanic mm-hmm. and it's an electrical issue with my car in the audio screen. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, if I take something to a repair shop, it's because I don't have the time to do right. it or it's one of those elements. Right. So I took it. Guy told me it was going to be $7,000 to fix this, this issue. Mm-hmm. I said, 
$7,000, wait a minute. And here I am, a couple of Google search later, all the parts are coming in for five fifty. Mm. So like I said, it, it's to my advantage at sometimes, um, and to my disadvantage at sometimes. But you know, if it's it's something that I'm capable of doing, I'm going to do it and I'm gonna learn how to do it. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for mm-hmm. sure. So b- before I ask the last question, I just want to say it's thank the last you. question. It's the last one. Thank. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Start of Life podcast, powered by the Binge Podcast Network. You gave you know such great value, and we loved hearing your story and stuff like that. But yes, it is the last question. Were you having that much fun? Yeah, time kind of flew by. Well, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because there's somebody in Startup Nation who they're looking for. They're either stuck in their business and they're afraid to move forward or they're afraid to start. Give them a few words of motivation and tell them to keep moving forward. Never stop. Always be closing. Always be working. Um, These are all quotes that I guess have absorbed in me from my life at Startco. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it was a very instrumental journey going through an accelerator there's no such thing as wait till tomorrow um tomorrow's not promised um tomorrow's not given to us all we have is now today and the resources that we have and there was an old um les brown he talks about that grave and looking he's like standing there he's like spanning across his grave and he's like all those people died with ideas that they did not put into this universe and every day i wake up is what am i going to pour into this universe and i used to be so afraid of oh my god i'm going to die before i get everything out and it would keep me up at night like i gotta write these white papers i gotta do this i gotta do that and one day it clicked. When it's time to go, I'm done. The work is done. And all I can do is wake up every day and pour out as much as I have to pour out and go to sleep and eat them leftovers tomorrow. Um, so for anybody that's out there that wants to be an entrepreneur, all the resources are out there and available. It just takes you getting up and, and clicking a button, typing in a, a word and hitting that search. You want to know what it's like to own a business in Tennessee? There are tons of resources that are out there. You just have to get up and search. There are tons of people that are out there that want to help you. You just got to extend it. You got to be bold about it. You got to tell people what it is that you want to do. Um, and they're going to be out there to either help you or put, put you in a direction of somebody that can help you. And unfortunately, I can't help everybody. I've been pushed to, to understanding that that I cannot help everybody, but I can tell you who can help you. So that's my two cents on entrepreneurship. I heard that. Thank you so much. And that's going to conclude our session of the Startup Life podcast. Did you enjoy being on the show? I did enjoy it. Okay. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. I love Audrey's story about sharing with us how technology is going to change the world and how as entrepreneurs and business owners, we need to adapt to that change. Because what she's doing there at Code Crew is is creating the next generation of entrepreneurs, the next generation of coders, the next generation of engineers that can help not just society, but our businesses as well. So remember that as you think about Audrey's story, you recount it in your hairstyle nation. Remember that being adaptable and being willing to learn new things is going to be the key on your path to entrepreneurship. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or like to advertise on our show, please send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. 
Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Bench Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life. The Startup Life. So I hope you liked episode one of this special presentation of the Startup Life for International Podcast Day. But I want to share with you the very next episode that we're going to share in a few hours right now. I really had to focus on people that were creating products, businesses, restaurants, innovations that maybe they were a chef and didn't have the business acumen or maybe they were a business person and, you know, had a great idea but didn't know how to cook it. So I came up with Next Gen Chef, which is an association and a platform for foodpreneurs that want to create or focus on creating local, healthy, affordable, regenerative food. So Startup Nation, we go from Memphis, Tennessee out to San Francisco, California, and we meet with my really good friend, Justine Reichman of Next Gen Chef. So foodpreneurs, stand up. So make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the Startup Life podcast on all of your major platforms so that way in a few hours, by the way, when that episode drops, it'll be right there waiting for you. So until the next episode, Startup Nation, remember, you got a business to grow.